hard for me as a father, hard for me as a man, hard for me as a being that takes in oxygen, as idiotic as that sounds, to watch women on stretchers being taken from hospitals and they're covered in blood and they're dying and they have and they're about to give birth, and that some sort of massive bomb has been dropped on that hospital, and how the hell we can manage that emotionally as Americans is uh, what we're trying to wrap our arms around. And in this insanely political environment we're in, where on Sunday I heard the Secretary of State Blinken say, we will backfill anything that they send to the Ukrainians. In essence, Blinken was telling the world that If we get jets, right? If we get Polish jets to Ukrainians, we will backfill with F-16s. And the the world cheered. And then we backed off and blinked. And I had to get uh, Jeff McCoslin, the colonel, the insider, a man who's led soldiers into combat. I had to get his take on this. Good morning, Jeff. How are you, sir? Morning. I'm doing okay. So I have been thinking about this a lot. I need your expertise. You tell me, what would you do with these jets, sir? Well, probably at this point, frankly, Marty, and my surprise, I, I would not transfer them to the Ukraine. And here's the reason, that this thing is a colossal diplomatic and communication snafu. I, I, would, I think I would disagree with you slightly. I don't recall Blinken ever guaranteeing that we're going to transfer. He certainly talked that talk that we were moving that direction, that we're definitely going to consider it. The problem simply is now the polls have stated they wouldn't transfer them directly. They want to fly them to Ramstein, and then we'd have to fly them from Ramstein into Ukraine, coming from a U.S. and NATO base. That could clearly be construed by the Russians and would be construed by the Russians as an escalatory step. Fighter planes coming. They'd have to come in armed because, obviously, there's a good possibility they're going to encounter Russian uh, over the airspace as they're even transferring across the border. And this would be considered an exploratory step. These particular aircraft are about 30 years old, uh, about two dozen of them. So while they would certainly have a military impact, there's no question, they would not have an overwhelming military impact, particularly as the Russians now move in more and more air defense systems. But we don't want this escalatory step to draw NATO and Russia into a direct confrontation that could escalate to a threat of nuclear weapons, number one, nor number two, do we want to use this particular step for some older airplanes to then give the Russians the rationale to escalate and say, well, we're going to try to do more and more to interdict the border between Poland uh, and Ukraine to interrupt the flow of refugees trying to leave the country. You don't think, and don't, don't think for a minute they wouldn't uh, be more harsh on the humanitarian side to get back at us. And number two, them the flow of those weapons, which I think are going to have and will have and are having a much more significant effect, and that is more anti-tank weapons, more uh, air defense weapons, more ammunition, period, which is flowing steadily across the Polish border in particular into the Ukraine. Look, you're the man and I'm not. But, you know, from my amateur point of view, so here we have the largest airlift in hist- since the Berlin airlift, and we have tens of thousands of weapons from America, from Sweden, from Germany, from NATO countries. What the hell's the difference? We're at war, sir. What kind of game do we play with Russia where they think that's not war, but an old jet is war, sir? Isn't there a certain ridiculousness to it? 
Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And we're all dancing around this question of what constitutes being a belligerent in a war. That may sound silly, but that's what we're dancing around. Now, in the 19th century, it was pretty, pretty easy. If, you, if your soldier fired on a thunder country soldier in battle, you were at war. If your ship at sea fired on one of their ships, you, you were at war. But now we're in the 21st century, and so the question is, is the transfer of significant weaponry, at what point does that become, make you a belligerent? Uh, that the fact that we right now are interrupting Russian cyberspace, using Americans to do that, and NATO forces to do that from, of course, NATO territory, is, is that a make you a belligerent? Is the fact that we're providing real-time intelligence to the Ukrainians in order for them to target Russians on uh, Ukrainian soil, does that make you a belligerent? And this is the central question that we're dancing around. And the tightrope that Mr. Biden is walking is, one, to provide the maximum assistance to Ukraine, while, number two, not getting the United States directly as a belligerent in a confrontation with the Russians to escalate to the use of nuclear weapons. And I can also tell you, and this is a classic example, Marty, having worked on such issues in the White House, the other thing he's got to do behind the scenes is keep 29 other countries, NATO, all singing from the same hymnal. And what we've seen right here in this particular cock-up is an example mm. of that difficult ability to keep everybody together. The polls at the last minute throwing this curveball into the whole deal by arguing that they had to transfer them to the U.S. to transfer them to the Ukraine. As someone who has been in the White House and listened to these conversations, so, so now we're hearing rhetoric, and maybe there's some cred to it, that there's a talk of using chemical weapons. If that right. happens, sir. Then we cross a line, do we not? I think we definitely cross the line, and I think the Russians uh, understand that. And I also think in this particular conflict, um, it's hard for me to imagine just from a military standpoint. Let's put all the humanitarian and moral right. issues to one side, difficult as that is. From a military standpoint, I can't see how this would, would assist the Russians. Obviously, it would terrorize the population. Even the threat of this would terrorize the population. They've had a lot of time, a lot of difficulty coordinating a large-scale, multi-pronged offensive operation. To get any kind of military effectiveness out of chemicals, you've got to put an awful lot in there, oh, by the way, number one. And number two, it's got to be coordinated with your maneuver and all your command and control. And their command and control and their maneuver looks totally screwed up to me right now. Plus, a significant portion of the Russian forces that have been deployed, despite what Mr. Putin says, are actually conscripts. About 30% of the Russian force are conscripts. These guys are poorly trained uh, and poorly motivated. You put troops like that in and around the use of chemical weapons, you're going to suffer more casualties on your own side sometimes than you might do on your enemy. I, I got to get this from you before you go, and I know we're all pressed for time, but you mentioned we could push Putin to nuclear war. You mentioned it twice. Is it that real, sir, or is that just hype? Is it that real, sir? Could that happen in your mind? It, I think it could happen. I think what we are at right now, to be candid with you, Marty, yeah. is we are at the most significant crisis that could, es could I emphasize could, not will, could uh, escalate to that type of confrontation since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You're the best.